Welcome back, everybody. Uh, the DM murdered one of his players over an argument because the druid player really, really wanted to be an owl bear, and he just would not let him happen. So, uh, session's canceled while we hide the body. But Josh is saying it was in the movie. Man, shut the fuck up! You're not turning into an owl bear. <laughs> Get back in the grave. Damn it! Hey, Get back I... in there. I I wish I had a shovel. If I had a shovel, I want to use wild shape six times. I no. Oh, we didn't even get to that point yet. Okay. Hello. Hi. You know, I want a, I want a paladin back, sword. Everyone. I want a paladin sword that can Hi. shoot and it can also become a dagger and it lets me cast haste and magical weapon at the same time. I. Please don't talk about that fucking sword. <laughs> I hate that fucking sword so fucking I'm, much. I'm, I'm just going to put Matt in the grave, literally. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I... Uh, hello. We're here. Sam is here. Hi. Isaiah is here. I am here. Matt is unfortunately Maldi. here. Let me out. Let me out. <laughs> no, I don't think I will ever. <laughs> oh well, just turns to a skeleton of bread. So, and <laughs> as uh, as 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 some of you may have noticed from the references, uh, we're talking about the D and D movie. Except we're not actually talking about the D, but we are going to reference mm-hmm. it a little tiny bit. Um, I had an idea recently. I was inspired by the muses from on high. Uh, and by that, I mean, uh, I was listening to another podcast called the Eldritch Lorecast, and they mentioned a particular scene in the D&D movie, Honor Among Thieves. Uh, for those listening, don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything major. It's, I mean, if you're unless you're one of those little bitches who considers any information about a movie at all as a spoiler, then I guess I'm spoiling it. But if you're a reasonable human being, I'm not spoiling anything. You guys remember when Lord Sothkoff dressed his hand in the movie? Wild. The f- Shut the fuck up. <laughs> what are you, you I, I, I have zero context for <laughs> yeah, anything no, Neither of these characters just... appear in that movie. Matt's just saying words into a microphone on the internet. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> um, but what I want to talk about today, this harrowing day, mm-hmm. is... God, it is very harrowing. Uh, is the idea of cinematic game design uh cinematic is the word i'm gonna use here as uh the like the i don't know title i guess i don't Mm. know whatever cinematic is the phrase we're gonna use but i don't only mean making your game feel like a movie i'm just i'm talking generally about how you can design or in the case of if you're running your own game how you can hack to make your game have more of a cinematic vibe a la a movie a la a video game a la anime a la cartoon like any of that shit everything's on the table uh so i'm going to explain before we really get into it what the fuck i mean by that past seven seconds right i could say fuck uh, <laughs> uh it's been well past seven seconds yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, is the first seven seconds or is it for seven minutes seven seconds oh, okay we're good um <laughs> but yes so let me explain what the hell i'm talking about uh so another way you could describe cinematic game design is sort of selling the fantasy of a character idea or selling the fantasy of the type of game you're trying to play on a very broad sense D&D is trying to sell you the fantasy of being, you know, sort of pseudo superhero fantasy warriors. 
Uh, a game like Vampire Masquerade is selling you the fantasy of being a vampire in the modern age, trying to live out and be secret and do all that political intrigue shit. A game like Cyberpunk is sort of selling you the fantasy of being your sort of rebellious, freedom fightery cyberpunk badass who's going to blow up the Megacorp building. You know, that's, you know, selling the vibe, selling the fantasy, the cinematic feel of what your game is about or what your characters are. reason we were talking about the D&D movie the reason this was on my brain is there's a scene in Honor Among Thieves where the druid character Doric has to like sneak into a castle or like a fort mm -hmm. or something like that um, I think it's more of like a fort but anyway it doesn't matter uh, she starts the scene as a fly and then she gets discovered and then she basically it ends up being sort of like a Sort of like a, a, a heist movie style, like chase sequence. So she goes from like a fly and then she transforms into a mouse and then she turns back into a human. And at one point she goes like back into a mouse and then she like falls out a window and she turns into a bird. And then she goes down to the fucking streets and turns into like a deer. Um, and she wild shapes like six, six or seven times. I counted. I believe it. I believe it was six. Uh, in that one scene. And uh, so I was listening to another podcast, the Elder Lorecast, who also talk about tabletop things. And uh, they were saying how cool that seed was and how, like, you know, it really sells the, the 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 fantasy of being a druid is like doing the crazy shape change to, like, break in and do your little espionage mission and then try and dodge the guards by turning into, like, a small animal or whatever. You know, that whole, like, cool vibe of, like, what a druid is kind of supposed to do and what they feel like. Uh, mm -hmm. problem is uh, not only does she wild shape six times she also goes from one animal form to another which also doesn't work uh, that whole scene just like doesn't work rules is written could not actually do that first for first problem the, the druid does not have that many wild shapes you get two you would unless you're level 20 uh, you'd run out real quick um, also the way she sort of snuck in and like the chase sequence itself, you know, might be kind of tricky to run depending on how you're doing it. There's some parts where it's like, oh, that would be a bit potentially hard. Uh, so, you know, rules is written. That doesn't work, but it's a great idea. It's a very fun idea. It really mm -hmm. owns in on the fantasy of a Drew. So then the, the again, sort of aping off the other, you know, the Elder Slurcast, uh, they started talking about like, Oh, you know, what what might how could you make it work and what kind of design might you have to do to actually make this function in a game? And then that sort of spiraled into a greater conversation. So that's what I mean by cinematic game design is like with this specific example, what kind of design do you have to do to make it so that scene in the movie as the druid could actually work in your tabletop, you know, in your tabletop campaign, in your session, and it would be cool and not, you know. <laughs> or like, no, we'll make it flow well. Feel so, cinematic. Uh, I, I, I do have an idea specifically for like the, the, the wild shape druid, you know? So one thing that you could do is instead of making wild shape, you know, uh, I transform into this creature and I get their stat block. All right. Um, you could basically give, uh, so much like how, uh, the undead druid uh, druid warlock has temporary hit points when they do their form 
uh, you could give the druid temporary hit points. And while they have those temporary hit points on their turn, as a bonus action, they can wild shape to whatever creature, you know, um, as long as they have it. And then, you know, you can put an arbitrary limit on it, like uh, fucking a minute, like most, ah, you know. So rather than it being an ammo count, it's like a timed thing. Yeah. Just because then you give the player a little bit more flow uh, and a little bit more control over it. Obviously, you'd still have to do something like, oh, you know, you're, you're limited to these stat blocks or you'd have to limit it a little bit more in certain regards. But because you're you're also allowing more freedom, it doesn't feel as whatever. Like and part of the reason why I don't really like, you know, playing Druid in D&D uh, is because of that. Like, I like I really like druids. Yes. Um, I believe we have the same beef with druid in 5e. Is, is love the fantasy of the druid. Yet sort of disappointed that the, the mechanics limit you quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that was just... my big thing. So another reason I started thinking about this idea is uh, everyone take a shot. Powered by the Apocalypse games, I think do this really, really oh, well. baby. <laughs> And uh, Dungeon World, mm. I love the way the druid works in Dungeon World, and I'll, I'll tease that because I'm gonna I'll explain it more later. Um, but one of the reasons I got annoyed is because I played Dungeon World, and then I went to play Five E, and I was annoyed that the Five E druid was not as cool as how the Dungeon World druid works. So, you know, yeah, um, I get it. I do. Yeah, it's there's a, something. There's another little point that I wanted to note. Uh, and again, that again came up on the Elder Solar cast. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's an interesting. Uh, there is a thing because like you can make a lot of really crazy cinematic mechanics, but you do have to account for the fact that in a movie, the camera can focus on one character for an extended period of time. And you as the viewer are sort of along for the ride with that one character in a game. If you focus on one character for a long extended period of time, the other three to five players, you know, kind of sitting around doing nothing most of the time. It's sort of the uh, it's the it's the hacker problem in the cyberpunk game, right? The hacker does Mm -hmm. their cool hacker thing. Everyone else sits there with their dick in their hands. I do love that. So, you know, a movie doesn't have this consideration. The game does. So even when you are trying to make something have a really cool like fantasy, a really cool cinematic style to it, you do have to equate or equate. You do have to account for that problem and and consider it, you know, if you're hacking your game to try and do something cool and exciting, you know, let's say, oh, I'm going to give the fighter this really cool ability. You have to keep in mind that like, all right, cool. So you're giving one player the cool thing, and if that takes up too much attention, everyone else might be potentially annoyed that they either A, they don't get to do the cool thing, or when the fi- or B, when the fighter's doing their cool thing, everyone else has to sit there and pay attention to the fighter because of how cool he is. Mm-hmm. That kind of shit is, is a big consideration anytime you're doing some, like, hacking or mm-hmm. fucking making your own goddamn game. Uh, I, 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 okay. So we talked about Dungeon World, all right. I, and I, I have to get this thought out before I lose it because I was thinking about this earlier. Uh, another way that you can do cinematic feel is um, throwing away the current turn system. Yeah. 
So, I like I I don't <laughs> dislike it for the way that D D functions currently. But there are often times where I'm like, wow, I really wish that I could do something out of turn. I could do something out of turn, or like we could swap up the orders and I kind of wish that the way that D&D worked is that you roll like everybody rolls for initiative, but those become initiative slots rather. Th- yeah. Yeah. Rather than, oh, hey, this is your initiative. This is when you go every turn, because then we run into issues where, ah, yes. So like I have, you know, for instance, you know, we're fighting a wizard uh, and I was actually thinking about this when we played Sunday. Uh, you know the wizard, the the archmage has fucking counterspell. They anybody can burn that reaction for counterspell, but like if I'm the first person to go, he's gonna counter my spell no matter what. You know if it's to go bother him or whatever. So like, you know now I'm stuck sitting here like okay my plan is you know fucking garboder because I can't do what I want because I have to be the person like if I do it my spell is the one that's going to get countered you know it may free someone else up for it but like that doesn't help me in the long run you know or or us in the long run yeah uh, so what you're what you're kind of hitting on is is tied to the next thing i had a feeling yeah so you you have to account for your like one player gets to be too cool for uh but that's you know you can mitigate that but the idea what you're talking about, Sam, is this thing I noted down is uh, the mechanics of your game should not stop you from the cool fantasy idea you have in your head of your character. Right. And so uh, just to throw out, I wrote down a few examples. Uh, the mechanics shouldn't if stop the fighter from being able to charge the dragon's fire breath with their shield up and live. The game shouldn't stop the barbarian from being able to rage and take on four dudes, you know, one v four with no effort. To take it out of the realm of D anD D, your cyberpunk game, the netrunner should be able to hack and manipulate the area that the team is operating in to help them with the run. You know, shouldn't get in the way of that because all those ideas, what I'm hitting at is like cool fantasy idea. Oh, what's some really badass shit a fighter could do? Holds up their shield, you know, dragon unleashes fire breath. They charge and push their way through the fire breath. Dragon stops breathing and realizes all of a sudden the fucking fighter's right under his neck and they stabs him, right? Like, cool badass shit a fighter could do. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I'm i sorry. I kind of have to be an asshole because you said let the barbarian fight off four goons with no right. real issue. And I've just thought of, did I ever have that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you. so yeah, this is the thing. Uh, D&D, or not even D&D. This isn't even a D&D rag. If you're going to do a sort of grid-based, turn-based combat system, you are limiting a certain amount of that cinematic vibe. It is it is harder to do if you want to do a sort of tactical board game style combat game. It's just harder. Mm-hmm. It's just there's obstacles in the way, right? In D&D, can the fighter charge into the dragon's breath with their shield up? N- no. But like you could take the shield master feet and kind of they can with the shield master narrate that's you could sort of narrate that's that that's what you're doing. 
As opposed to a game like Dungeon World, though, where you can literally say, all right, cool, so the Dragon Breeze fire and the fighter player can go, I would like to charge directly into the fire with my shield up, at which point the GM could say, okay, cool, roll me a defy danger with your constitution. Let's see if you can manage this. And then you literally get to do it, right? Like there's no, what? that's all within the mechanical bounds. Yes. I, well, I think I think the, the easy mid ground here is if you want to keep your grid based stuff, but you also want to be able to just go buck wild sometimes. I, I I don't think there's a better system out there than narrative declarations slash, you know, lights slash light or dark side points. Fuck me mm. to be able to just be like, I do this thing. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, the GM sort of just like, all right, well, that's kosher. You burnt your whatever the fuck point. Now you did it. Yes, you can do. There is some of that there. However, that's essentially what you're doing there is ignoring you're basically saying I would like to turn off the grid based battle map for a moment and just do whatever the fuck I want and then we'll turn it back on after my turn is done right so like it sort of reinforces my point that like with the grid based battle map it is harder to do not impossible but definitely harder and yes that is that is sort of a middle ground to say like every once in a while we're just gonna ignore it which is totally valid and honestly when when a lot of people are playing D&D and they want to do a crazy cinematic thing that's why you don't go to the grid map. You make a bunch of like, you know, you make a bunch of skill checks or you make some tool proficiency checks or you narrate something about how you use a spell to do X, Y and Z skill check. This is why I love skill challenges so much, because they are literally this. <laughs> they are cinematic game design. Explain how yeah. you do the cool thing. Roll the fucking dice. You succeed. That's dope. Or you fail. Unfortunate, you know, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, if you if you wanted <laughs> to do the druid let's say you're playing 5e and you wanted to do the scene with doric from the movie you get okay as the gm you could say all right doric's player just ignore the rules of wild shape do whatever the fuck you want for this scene we're gonna do a skill challenge roll you have infinite wild shapes go buck wild tell me how you do it and we'll make rolls back and forth and see what you cut what you do right that would be how you could do something like that in 5e but what you're doing is actively telling the game to fuck off in some regard, right? Uh, so what I'm sort of what I'm suggesting is if you want to hack stuff like this, think about how you can make a mechanic that will back up the narrative. It's I, I feel I've said this multiple times, but like mechanics, my favorite. This is literally my favorite topic, by the way, in tabletop. This is like my shit mechanics that reinforce that fantasy, that cinematic vibe. This is like my ultimate shit. This is why I love Powered by the Apocalypse so much because I feel like it gives me the most potential to do this. Uh, and it's not the only system. It's just, you know, the one I like the most and sort of hit me the hardest earliest on. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then the last point I wanted to make about this or I could have some examples because I did bring some examples. Balance need not apply. Get the fuck out of here with this balance shit. Not literally, but a little bit. Um, I Depending. think invoking the fantasy of your type of game that you're making, or in the, or let's say you're hacking, right? Invoking the fantasy takes priority over any kind of idea of balance, right? Make the cool mechanic worry about the balance later. And if the balance is going to shit on the cool mechanic, then prioritize the, the the cinematic design over over the balance. That's what I say. Now, 
obviously can't go. I'm not saying I'm not saying let your paladin just one shot everything with divine smite or some shit. Like obviously, obviously there's a limit to how like woohoo crazy you can get. But if you're sitting at a crossroads and it's like, all right, either I can make the game, either I can make this cool or I can balance it out and it's going to be way less cool. Prioritize the cinematic cool design. I'm sure there will be people that will disagree with me. I do not care. That is what I prioritize that over all things, because I think at the end, you just get something more satisfying, you know? And the main reason I say that is like tabletop games are not competitive. So you don't need to think about them in that way. You know, that's the thing. Now where balance does become relevant. And the time I do worry about balance is anytime you have a character ability or something that shits on somebody else's thing, right? Basically a meme in the D and D community, how, if you want to play a cool Ranger play literally anything but Ranger at this point, because so many other subclass options are there that aren't Ranger that will give you the Ranger vibe better. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And the reason that's a Uh, meme is because those abilities are shitting on the Ranger. Right? Like, that's why that meme exists. It's like, oh, I want to play a cool character with a pet and like a sick long range weapon. Oh, play a Battlesmith Artificer. What? Should I play a Ranger? Nah, Battlesmith does it better. Just reflavor your robo dog as something else or some shit. I don't know. Limo. Yeah. yeah. Right? You know? That's where yeah. balance that's where balance becomes like a big that's, deal. I, I wouldn't even say that's that's balance. It's almost not balance. It's kind of a different. Yeah, that's that's just kind of game design in general. It's, it's like, niche protection. You don't, yeah. Well, I, the like, reason you, you just don't want people to to have too much in the city. Like you, you can have similar classes like, you know, having a battlesmith artificer. I have a gun, you know, <laughs> and Ranger. I have a bow or a crossbow or whatever. Like that's that's fine. Like having that overlap is fine. But like once it becomes, you know, there, there's no way to differentiate between, you know, Beastmaster and fucking Battlesmith. It's just like, so why would I play the worst one? Yeah, well, the reason I think that it, I, I would consider kind of stuff um, under the umbrella of balance is because it, it uh, sometimes the reason you end up shitting on another class is because uh, numerically your class just does the thing better, right? Like, yeah, Paladin, I, I, like, in I, some regards, I, shits on fighter because they could kind of do the fighter thing better. Right? I mean, numerically, have just more utility in a lot of regards. Yeah, like numerically because speaking, that that's kind of why I think it falls under the balance. But it is, is this is why fighters should just have all of the battle master shit, and battle master <laughs> should just not be a subclass. Just saying, um, or just make gonna, it battle master er. Yeah, yeah, just battle make Battlemaster make Battlemaster just better at using maneuvers and maneuvers just available to everyone. I I'm not gonna get back on the fighter. It upsets me so much. <laughs> um so like so this is this is a common problem in like you know um hero based shooters or yeah. MMOs. Yeah. It's just you will have characters that you know, are just straight up better than others. At the same job, yeah, like, at the same gig, yeah. Uh, like, for instance, look at any of the ranged DPS in Final Fantasy fourteen. Like, you're gonna go, okay, so which one am I playing? And they're gonna tell you you're playing Bard if you want to be 
the most effective because machinist damage is tied to some stupid shit uh, and dancer is just chilling. All right, all right, Sam, don't go too deep down the 14 hole. <laughs> I, I know yeah, if you want to play I'm a not... hero, just don't play Astro. <laughs> I, you know, you say that, but uh, Astro is one Get of the more popular point. heroes. Um, <laughs> uh, can't wait for them to change it again and then just not be popular. Anyway, my point is that like it's obviously just an example, but like this, it's a subset happens. of balance. Yeah, it it's it's like balance comes into play when yeah. you're doing this because once these things have the same identity, you really want to have them be good at different things. When you have something that's just better in every single regard than something else, or the thing that's good is too niche, then everybody's just going to play the thing that's good at everything because if I it's niche, especially in a tabletop game, your DM has to constantly address it yeah. can like take into account that specific thing i will say though there is there is this kind of gray area middle ground where a thing can be better on paper than another but there's still enough going on between the two that you still might have fun with one or the other so like an example i'm thinking of here uh a lot of people have pointed out in dungeon world that the paladin, same comparison again, the paladin is just better than the fighter in Dungeon World. A lot of people have mentioned that. And to some regard that is true, and like numerically, you're like, yeah, that kind of checks out. But the fighter gets a couple of really cool cine- cinematic abilities uh, or moves, in the case of Dungeon World, that make them feel different and cool enough that even though the paladin's a little bit better, you still kind of want to play the fighter because they still have some of their own cool shit. You know, that comes into um, like there's a there's a delicate middle flavor. Ground. Yeah, is really what it is. Like a lot of people going back to 14 because this just just an easy one. Uh, like a lot of people will play machinist because machinist is just cool. Yeah, literally the cool. only reason machinist is cool. You mash lots of buttons and but you, you do really cool things. That's it. That's why you would play a machinist over the other ranged DPS. And it's just like, cool. I understand. Like, if you have that flavor, uh, which can be harder to even come across uh, in tabletop, where, like, especially D&D, where it's like, I hit the thing. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, so Sam, now that you say that, all right, I want to, this is a good, this is a good segue. This is a good segue. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wrote down a couple of cinematic examples and I didn't want to just do the shit on D&D parade like I usually did. So I was like, all right, what are a couple of cool little moments in D&D that do actually feel like good cinematic game design? There are some. One of them I said is the Paladin's Divine Smite. Correct. For a couple of reasons. Right. Let first, me- first and foremost, obviously, you know, and Actually, I should say real quick, uh, when we're talking about sort of feeding into the fantasy of a particular class or character type, we're generally talking about the most generic, stereotypical version of that thing, right? So, yes, there are lots of different kinds of paladins you could potentially make, but we're talking about when you say the word paladin, what is the most stereotypical thing that comes to mind, right? So part of that, in this particular case... You think of the paladin, you think of, oh yeah, they got their big fucking longsword, it glows with holy energy, and they give the fucking bazinga smackdown to some demons or some undead or some Bazinga. Shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
literally the guy in the page of Paladins and Player's yes. Handbook. Yeah. That dude. That dude. Yeah. That like pointed that guy. That orc guy. orc guy. Yeah, he cool. Yeah. Um so the reason Divine Smite is really cool is because first and foremost, obviously, it lets you do the big Bazinga Smackdown damage, right? Roll lots of dice, do big number. That's good. However, if the Divine Smite was just that on its own, it wouldn't be really that evocative because, you know, if all it was was more damage, you could just call the attack Biga Swinga and then it does the same thing, right? Yo, let me hit him with the big swoop. Yeah, you could just call <laughs> yeah, you could call Paladin's Divine Swipe big swoop and it does the same damage and then it's not really as cool anymore. So but the other two parts of Divine Smite that I really like are really what reinforce the magical holy like smiting part, mm-hmm. which is A, Divine Smites use spell slots. So that's reinforcing in a mechanical sense. You are telling me mechanically this thing that fuels magic fuels my divine smite. Ergo, the fantasy reinforcement there is divine smite is magical. On top of that, you do extra damage to fiends and undead. Why? Holy warrior hit the undead and bid the demons harder because that's their thing. That's cool cinematic design. That's and that's Mm -hmm. one of honestly the fiend and undead part is my favorite part about divine smite. By far, I so I, I I'm to build on this. This is kind of why Ranger uh, feels like absolute garboter. Yes, because while Ranger favorite you enemy. know again favorite enemy, you, yeah. you're you're good at you're good at hitting thing, but only one thing. Unlike Paladin, where it's everything. Well, also favorite enemy doesn't actually is, make you better at fighting them in any way. Yeah, that too makes you better but at like, like tracking and knowing about them, but not actually fighting them. Yeah. Or hunting them. You know, doing the ranger thing where you hunt. Yeah. No. No hunt. Yeah. But my point being that, like, you know, you look at this and you go, oh, so why don't I do better in combat against them, even though it's the thing that I'm supposed to be good at fighting? And then the wizard just kind of looks at you and shrugs. And you know why? You know what? And I guarantee you what the reason why they didn't want to give ranger, like, big dick damage against their favorite enemy or whatever? Because of balance. And in that scenario, I say throw the balance out. That's a scenario well, like disregard. Tasha's, like they, they did a little bit with Tasha's. Foe. Yes. Yeah. Ta- like as but, someone so, who's DMing for someone that's playing a Swarm Keeper Ranger, he's good. Here's it's the problem. Though, I will just say, like a Swarm Keeper Ranger, getting the extra spells, a lot of utility spells, doing the not fucking pals and levels of damage, but outpacing other people in the party that you think would be doing way more damage than they are so i like the tasha's helped significantly but all that did was help their playability man here's the problem favored foe is nice for making ranger more numerically effective favored foe is a garbage cinematic design because it doesn't reinforce the ranger at all it just takes it from oh the ranger's only good at fighting a niche group of people to uh rangers is better at fighting everyone fuck it it's, it doesn't it doesn't invoke the fantasy in any way. Nothing about favored foe because favored foe. You're just marking. It's just hunter's mark. You're just marking mm-hmm. your target. It doesn't really reinforce the vibe in any cool way. Whereas favorite, I mean, but that favorite enemy was like, trying to. Yeah, I feel like favorite enemy was trying to. But I mean, with hunter's mark, that could also be something either as you or not hunter's mark. Sorry, favorite, uh, favorite foe. foe. That could be something as you as the player or you as the DM. You know, you do the anime thing where you specifically target in that guy. and You're like. Favorite foe. 
Yeah, but that's not really about the fantasy of the ranger. Because part of the fantasy of the rangers, they're better at dealing with a specific kind of thing, right? Mm. And that's not really doing it. So if I were to make favored foe have more of like actual good cinematic design and like reinforce that fantasy, I would combine favored foe and favored enemy. You pick what what your favorite enemy is. So let's say, you know, uh, monstrosities. When mm-hmm. you're fighting monstrosities, you can mark them for an extra D4 damage or an extra D6 damage. You know, like I would probably make it more, damage, make it feel better. Now I we're kind of reinforcing of the vibe because it's like, oh, I'm particularly better at killing these fuckers as opposed to just anybody. You know what I mean? Um, shit, there was another point there. Uh-huh. Whatever. Uh, So, yes, favored foe is good in the sense that it made the ranger more usable, but it didn't really help with their the the fantasy of the class for me. I mean, and there is a little bit of a flavor text in it where it's like, oh, you sort of focus in on a particular target, kind of like you were saying, Matt. And, And there's there's something there like that's that's okay, but it's not. It's not quite the like, you know, it's not quite the moment. What is it when Aragorn like sniffs the fucking dirt or something? He's like, there's orcs here, right? Was it something like that? What did he do? What is the ear to the ground? I think. Yeah, yeah something like that. He, he used like tracking. Like Native yeah, American like tracking. that. Yep. It's yeah. not quite in that realm. I do uh, think that they should just have both in general. Like, like I mean, yeah. more damage to yeah. everything, but then even more damage. Even more to, damage to. Yes, yes. It's uh-huh. basically. To just have smite, but yes, like smite, yes, divine smite. To, just do divine smite. You, <laughs> you, you did it already. Pick, you get to pick the smite. Yeah, literally. Like, you do one d six to this, but you do two d six to this. Literally, yes. <laughs> like, I think according to uh, the one d d play test that we read a while ago, I think aren't they just going to get colossal slayer? Just do one d eight damage. They are specifically with the. Uh, uh, with the hunter, hunter, yes, but that one, okay, Colossus mm. Slayer is like even more vague because you just do more damage to someone who's hurt, which is like, huh? I that doesn't invoke anything. Beef with that, I think I brought it up. At the we're not, yeah, 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 we're not, we're not going down that rabbit hole. Also, side note, have we done a Ranger episode yet? Yes, I don't think did. we have. Yes, we did. We did. Yeah. I thought, um, no, I thought we talked about the one D D Ranger. But oh, you're right. We, we talked about the one D D Ranger, oh. but not we talked the, about. The, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm asking. Like, I'm like, I, did I did I step into the wrong episode? Are we? No, <laughs> are we can no, no, I'm cutting this off. We're not doing Ranger. No, I'm cutting this off. Anyway, uh, just a little 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 splash of what Ranger will be. When yeah, we eventually talk basically. About um, so yes, Divine Smite, super like cinematic evocative if i'm going to stale if i'm going to once again steal the steal the phrase from dale king's mail vague and evocative all that hits the notes for me another good example in 5e cleric's divine intervention is fucking god tier design biggest brainus because the most the most like perfect cinematic moment. The thing you think of when you think of the really badass cleric character is homeboy looks up at the sky and says, hey, yo, God, slap me a crisp high five. And then he does. And he pulls out a fucking lightsaber or some bullshit that God just gave him. Like divine intervention is amazing. And I Did God just give that man a glicky. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he says, hey, yo, God, slap me some skin. And then he hands him an AK. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, hey yo, these undead's gonna suck my nuts. 
Like, you know, like that is the fantasy of the cleric, right? Like ask your God for help. Crazy God shit happens. You know, that's the fucking summoner in like in fucking uh, Final Fantasy, right? Like, hey, yo, hey, yo, smite this bitch. <laughs> like, and that's why also that's why I love the scene in Critical Role when Pike gets the fucking divine intervention off because Matt Mercer just goes, all right, well, your God just smites the shit out of that dragon. <laughs> fucking lit. I I mean I've I've raved about we did do a cleric episode and I know I talked about divine intervention. Uh yeah. so we've already gone down that road. There's little tweaks I would make to divine to divine intervention, but otherwise fucking love it. Absolutely love it. Um and I think we're all on the same page on that, right? <laughs> like Yeah, yeah, with the, the right. with my my personal caveat of the caveat, let yeah. the first one go off let the first one be automatically. Free. Yeah. I um, do I have one. I wonder if you're gonna bring it up, so I'm just gonna wait. I only have three from D&D, &D, so probably not. Okay, all right. Um, the last one I'm going to mention from D&D &D is... This one's a little more low-key and maybe not something people would expect as much. Um, the Bard's Song of Rest... Really like yeah. Song of Rest. It's really basic, right? All it does is you get a little bit more healing on a short rest. But the reason I really like it is because it... The, the fantasy... Part of the fantasy of the Bard is you sort of, you know... Make everyone feel better. <laughs> Give them a little pat on the back. Maybe you make everyone mm -hmm. drinks. You play a nice beat, you know? Okay. So you heal a little bit more. And, like, it's a real small one. And it, that's the thing about, like, the idea of cinematic game design. It doesn't need to be a crazy, effective, or powerful mechanic like Divine Smite. It can be something small, but if it evokes that fantasy of what you think of when you think of the class or the play playbook or, you know, the role or whatever... You know, if it invokes that vibe, mm. then it's doing its job. Like, that's all I need. I don't need it to be super effective. That's kind of why, like, I don't really give a shit about, like, how effective, like, statistically, is Song of Rest good? I don't know or care. Probably not mathematically, but who the fuck cares? I mean, it, well, it's free, actually, so I guess it... I, I, I was going to say I guess it has to be. It's free, so it's automatically. Literally. But, like, you know, maybe it should scale. Maybe it should... I don't give a shit. The point is it's cool and evocative. You know, and and shit, even counter charm, even though it sucks balls, I love the idea of counter charm. I love the premise of counter charm. Like, yeah, the bard is so good at being the like star of the show that they could like break everyone out of the charm from the succubus and make everyone look at the bard because goddamn, he's so cool or he's so hot or he's such an idiot. You know, like <laughs> you could get the attention away and it. Unfortunately, counter charm is so specific you never get to use it. But God, I love the idea. There's that, you know, too niche too to niche. actually yeah. be useful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I to, to to be on the opposite end, something that I really dislike in games, mm. D specifically, uh, doesn't do this very well, is the way that spellcasting feels too restrictive in a lot of ways. Yeah, because it, it like I okay being a rules nerd I do appreciate when specifics are laid out however if things are too specific you get to the point where you're just like okay so like this spell is garbage Sam that's it is yeah. the thing that you want is an ability to just weave magical bullshit yeah yeah okay so I wasn't gonna mention this uh, necessarily, but since you're bringing this up, I feel like mm -hmm. everyone take another shot. Here comes the dungeon world talk. 
Dungeon oh, World, where this is going. the wizard class has an ability called Ritual. What this lets you do is, this is the kind of skill I like to call weave magical bullshit. When you draw on a place of power to create a magical effect, tell the GM what you're trying to achieve. Ritual effects are always possible, but the GM will give you one to four of the following conditions. And then there's there's a list of conditions. I fucking love that because you're like, I don't have a specific spell for this scenario. But what if I have a little chit chat with the GM and do a little do a little weave magical bullshit mm-hmm. and make something work? I fucking yep. love that. And yes, I deeply wish 5e had something like that. And I know why no, it doesn't, I, I, but god damn yeah, it, it's just frustrating when you're like, wow, I'm supposed to be this, like, literally Divine Intervention does this. Does this, yes. Because it's just, yes. And then just Wizard doesn't have anything that does Imagine, this. Imagine, yes. Imagine if Wizard had a thing where it was well, like... I mean, the Wizard per- has, has Wish, but it, you do, yeah, it was wish quite is, late. Wish yeah. is, like, not so, the same. It should be, like, something small Let's, that your Wizard can just fucking do, because why am I this smart fucking yes like, the smart loser. part that's the big like, thing con- 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 that can't figure out how no, to do Matt, no Matt no it's it's too prestidigitation is too limited can't remember if I get first level no no it has that's not it, has it. The, that ain't it, it chief. It's, it's the correct idea but it is so poorly executed it doesn't if there it was doesn't fit if there was well, a the, version of prestidigitation that was higher level that could do the, that, it was wider in its options. The, prob- the problem with that, Josh, is that there are multiple spells and that the wizard is the class that gets I understand. most of the spells in the game. So it's one of those things where like the wizard's like, all right, DM, I'm going to cast these three spells specifically and now I'm summoning the moon to us. Yes, I understand, right. Matt. Here's the <laughs> thing. Like, what? Here's the problem. All right. Yes. Why the moon? I don't know. Okay, hold on, because we just hit like three different points. It's possible. Points. I've seen a video. We it's just fine. we just hit like three. Okay, first of all, wish. Let's start with wish. Yes, wish is cool and wish is in the right direction. But a, like Sam mentioned, wish does have some weird stipulations that can fuck you. And b, wish is super late game, so you don't really get to oh, use yeah. it very much. Both of those yeah. are an issue. Other mm-hmm. thing. So what Matt's talking about with like prestidigitation and oh, the wizard gets all the spells. Yes, but the way spells are written and structured in five e. They're very mechanical war game style rules on spells with some few exceptions. And a lot of those spells that have exceptions are the spells that piss people off, i.e. fabricate. Right? Oh, hell yeah. So (laughs) what I'm suggesting, if you're going to have your spells be in that fashion, give the wizard a divine intervention style ability. And, you know, you, you and. You know, you'll call it like moment of inspiration. No, that probably wouldn't work. I don't know. Like, basically, have an ability where the wizard works out like, ah, well, if I connect the ley lines here and use these components and mix them with this fluid, and they get to do their like big brain to do this effect to do a specific yeah, like GM, can I do X and Y thing to do this random magical effect? And then you handle it the way Dungeon World handles it, where the GM says, yes, here's your stipulations. You could do it for X. It's going to take you an hour. It's going to take you these ingredients. It's going to cost you this much money. You can do it, but you're going to get a weaker version than you're hoping for because of the you don't have the right materials, right? Shit like that. Well, are, are, are they not? Was that was the downcasting thing just a rumor or? Well, that was only for I one think- ability. It's not a rumor. It was only on one ability. Uh, right. But and I think even they then, downcasting is still not what I'm talking it. about. Yeah. I, I want... 
I want the wizard to be able to do. Uh, we're literally divine intervention, right? I want the wizard to be able to say. Yeah. Whatever effect I have in mind, I want to happen. And then you have a little back and forth with the GM. And I'm fine if there's a die mm. roll, too. Like, the wizard tries to roll it and fails. That's fine. Totally cool with that, too. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, I want that because, like Sam said, the wizard is so fucking sp- smart. I get, Artificer yeah. probably should have this, too, actually, now that I'm talking yeah. about it. I think ar- this mm. would make sense for Artificer. I think only yeah. wizard and Artificer, though. I don't think anyone else should get this. Right. Well, there was well, um, literally because you know sorcerers just like, hey, I I magic right, this shit up. Wizard I, I don't Artificer, know what the fuck I'm doing. A wizard right, Artificer, right. their whole stick is, I'm so smart, I know what's going on, I can problem solve. What were hmm. you saying, Matt? No, I was gonna say because I, again, I, I I agree the wizard should have something like this, but the only my only reasoning that I don't think it's going to happen is because no, it's not gonna get happen. All the spells, it's all the mechanical thing. Yeah, I no, get it's mechanical, I, but no, no, Matt, I'm talking I, about a version of five E. I'm never gonna get. I want five E to do this. No. I want D and D to do this. It never will. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just I'm I'm just saying I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna happen. I no, don't think it's, it's gonna not. happen because no, because it, it, of, it really of all the won't. spells like. Uh, what was it? There was the one thing in Critical Role Here's the thing. that Matt put a bunch of spell scrolls of, of a high powerful wizard and then uh, Caleb's character was able to put together and be like, oh, this guy's making a phylactery. If he did these three spells specifically, you can create like a pseudo phylactery and avoid. Li- oh, sure. oh, shit. This guy's real big brain. And then just pockets the three fucking spell scrolls. Like a wizard, <laughs> like I mean, yeah, and that's a cool, that's a Yo, cool good wizards scene. Wizards are really the worst fucking loot goblins, aren't they? They are. Oh yeah, that's a cool good idea for a scene. The 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 problem there is that required Matt to have pretty deep knowledge of the game to know what three spells would work. Do they all cooperate? Is my player right. gonna put two and two together? Right, like there's a lot yeah, of yeah. going on there, and I know none of this is gonna happen in D anD D because D anD D is not a cinematic priority game. They don't prioritize that. That's just not how they designed the game. So I know so it's, it's not going to happen, but I would like it. It's weird because it's not designed that way. But, but they talk about it that way. Are, yeah, they yes. talk yeah. about the game being I, run so that I, way. I think, most people the, try to run the game that way, yes. especially with, again, the critical role boom. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Yep. So I think yeah. the problem that we're having with that specifically, and I, I think I've mentioned this many fucking times, is that we people, when they talk about D&D, are used to hearing stories, stories about third about edition. D&D. Stories about specifically third edition where shit was a little bit wilder like because i mean there was less balance and there was just more shit yeah there's probably some of that going on too although third edition third edition sort of lucked into that scenario because they were still really mechanically mathematically focused too yeah they were yeah i would say even more More so so, actually yeah but the thing is is that they didn't care about balance as much because they just kind of shit out products like a fucking machine gun like Yeah, what through a book every three months? Something, Something like, like that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So like, it's it's, it's we, ha- we have three different players' handbooks, dungeon master's guide, and <laughs> yeah. monster I, manuals. Like literally, so like, what? Literally, people want to do the Doric Honor Among Thieves scene. They want to do that, and the game just says no. <laughs> you know, like that's the problem with Five E. People have the idea. The movie is what people think Five E is. That's what it yep. should be in people's brains. But the game fights you. <laughs> Yeah, because most of the time, like I'm, I'm assuming, like we've all played in a campaign with a druid or someone who's transformed into an animal to like sneak in somewhere and spy on someone. In a campaign, mm-hmm. no, but I have watched. It, no, oh, okay, <laughs> no, it's surprisingly to me, and, and nine times out of ten, it's always been like, all right, I'm gonna be a spider, or I'm just gonna be a rat, or I'm gonna be, uh, 
Oh, oh, the the merchant who works for the guy I'm trying to spy on. Yeah, he has a pet donkey for some reason. I'll just be the new donkey. And it's like, why right. would you do that? And then you break in and then yep. one roll blows their cover and then they go, oh, no, now I'm fucked. Yep. And they can't do it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 100 yep. percent. Yeah. And it kills 99% the whole thing. 99 percent of the time. <laughs> so it's like. Huh. Yeah, I again, uh, yeah, I understand d and not going to do this. I'm just, I'm just maxing what we wish d and could be. Yes. So I would like to use some, uh, so to use a couple. Oh, Isaiah, you said you had one, you had an example that I didn't. I had a few, actually. All right. I mean, you want to rapid fire uh, go off. I mean, first one is Quivering Palm, because that's just the coolest shit. Quivering oh, Palm is a good one, yes. It is the, like, the definition yes. of the, like, you're already dead thing, and yes. I think it's super cinematic. And <laughs> you can trigger whatever you want. Yes. You can hit somebody, and then a week goes by, and you're like, oh, that's right. Snaps, finger, explosion in the background. Uh-huh. Like, Yeah, that's well, true. Um, I think one of my personal favorites is Steel Wind Strike. The, like, literally oh, teleports behind you, nothing personnel kid, but does it five times. So, yeah. Steel Wind Strike, I would say, is not... It's a good one, but... Because of the way spells are in 5e, it still feels a little cold and clinical, but it is, I would say Steelwood Strike sort of teeters that line between the two, which is actually, I mean, in, in probably in a good way, I would say. So, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think, uh, I mean, a lot of them are spells like, a, what is it, like a sunbeam, or what is it? It's not sunbeam, the one which is a torrent of like a fucking column of fire shoots up underneath somebody. Firestorm? I think yeah, I think it's flame strike where you just like flame strike, yeah, bazinga, <laughs> and they just explode. <laughs> that one's all right. A lot of the thing is is like a lot of the spells are sort of, a lot of the spells are there to reinforce the fantasy of being a fucking wizard, <laughs> you know, or being a cleric. A lot of them are there <laughs> to reinforce uh, yeah, back yeah, to the class. Uh, I, I recognize that there there are technicality, but they do still count. Like. To, to a some lot of them have some really cool cinematic any, ideas to them. Anything, but here's okay. So here's the this is important. Like call lightning is really cool. Mm. Like call lightning is cool because it specifically I, gets better when the weather's bad. So that so, part, okay, yes. So that part of call lightning, absolutely good cinematic design. But anything that's like you just do some damage of a specific type, like flame strike, I would say no. So like call lightning on its own, not so much. The fact that call lightning has that like it's it's storming outside, it does more damage. That's good in fantasy and evocative and cinematic. That so, one really. So adds what to I it. would say, like the good another good example is heat metal. Like yes, you are heat metal. So one. because because you are doing something specific, it is causing damage. Not you are causing damage of a. Not specific you're just type. doing damage. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it's like um, another thing would be like if acid or poison actually did damage over time. Yeah, God forbid shit. we have dots. Yeah. Uh, because you know you're burning. Like heat metal is literally like one of the few dots we have in the game. Kinda. Yeah. Um, I don't don't remind me of what I, what I lost, Sam. I. <laughs> Yeah, but like they took from me. <laughs> um, but like th- that that's it's uh, oh, uh, another example of for D&D is like action surge. It's like the fighter is literally so good at fighting. They can just do more shit oh, during fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. Yeah, D&D has it, it, moments of it. And then you remember that you're still in the grid based combat and it like kills some of the momentum. <laughs> Yeah. I, I j- j- honestly, although, the, I, although I will said say this a few times, I, I it does not for me. Yeah, same. I, I was gonna say. <laughs> I mean, I, sh- as someone who's so, played other games, l- listen. As someone who's played a lot of 
other games that don't obey this system, you get so much more epic. Like, not even you get, more, you you get, get more so much freedom. more free flow freedom yeah, out of I've, not grid based systems. I've also played those games. Don't worry, but like, not as much I, as I have. Like, I, yeah, but really, like, it makes it a difference. I I don't think it I, does that much. We I, I've but sure. I, uh, okay, so I, I I I am agreeing with Josh here just because of the fact that like if you have so mecha games, all right, <laughs> are very cinematic. By locking yourself into a grid-based system, sure, whatever, but like it it doesn't ruin it, but it definitely puts like I, I will absolutely after the fact put a cinematic spin to, on it in your head. Yeah. Yeah. But when I don't have the grid based system, I absolutely am just doing that already. You feel like, it. yeah, it's it's the difference between like. It's the thing where, you know, in to go off the mecha example in Souls of Steel, Sam says, mm-hmm. I fucking fly up the ridge and snipe the shit out this dude. And like the game doesn't get in the way in any in any particular way. You don't have to pause and think about, does this work? Can I do this? Blah, blah, blah. Fucking ridge. Yeah. In D&D, you have to go, okay, do I have enough movement? All right, I have enough movement. All right, so I use my move action. Okay, how far away is the Is it X amount of distance? Okay, is that right? Do I have any ammo? Okay, I have the ammo. Is it going to do enough damage to kill him? Okay, I hope it's going to do enough damage. You know, there's all these, like, mechanical stop gates as opposed to a more free flow, a more uh, fiction, fir- re- fiction first game is I, really l- what I'm don't saying. Don't get me wrong. I, I understand what you're saying. What I'm saying is, to me, it, I, I still get that same, like, cinematic feel that I would otherwise. I'm not saying it's non-existent, but it's it's different and you have to sort of like translate it when you're working through a, a well, grid-based tactics game. To use what I said also, before. Also, I mean the game the the game mechanics also are translating these things. Yeah. Uh yeah, so what I was going to say is that using what I said before about how I translate things cinematically in my head after the fact, if I'm playing a grid-based game, it's just possible that, especially in this scenario, we're just different in that regard. If you're I mean, using sure, a grid-based yeah. system and you're already translating it in real time cinematically in your head, then it's just that way for you. I can't do that because I'm too focused on exactly what I'm going to do and and not how it. Yeah. I'm too focused on that specifically. Um, Like, especially like right now playing a paladin with auras and shit. I am 100% focusing on how many people I have in that aura to basically protect them. Not okay. So this is just a thing that I give my friends uh, if I stay near them fictionally versus yeah. versus staying... I have to be within 10 feet. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it's a bit different, you know? Yeah. And it's a different mindset too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a, well, it's, so I'm, I'm not arguing that all, all I'm saying is I get the same fulfillment from a grid based game that I get from a non grid based game. That's well, all I'm, what I'm, I think no, what, what I'm saying help. is that there, yeah. there's, there's a reason why that we have this differing opinion. And it could literally mm-hmm. just be the fact that when we think about things cinematically, some of us are too stuck in rules to actually think about it cinematically when oh, yeah, that's, the not, system yeah, is very limiting. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I, like, yeah, I I, think- I'm not saying that, that, um, 
you know, oh, oh, I'm just doing it better. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just, just, you just said you don't have that. I just said I do have that. And yeah, I well, but I'm I'm literally saying that, you know, you can do this while I can't. Mm. I know. It also might help if you have, um, to be honest, like if you have a you know dungeon master or whatever, whoever, whatever they're called in other games, like game master is the generic descri- term. Yeah. yeah, someone who's describing things a lot better, like it, mm. like even if it's a little bit, description can help make things a little more cinematic. Then <laughs> I just hit yes. the thing. That's oh, over here sure. roasting me. Like, hmm? I, I'm, I'm sorry, but Josh, learn to describe. I'm sorry. I There's do. There's a website for it now and everything. I literally just, just described. No, right okay, pause. Pause. No, hold on. My two players here need to defend me. I describe shit all the time. Do I not? Wait, so wait. wait I'm you sorry. just said I you feel attacked. You wait, just wait, threw wait. yourself under the bus, <laughs> yeah, and then Matt <laughs> threw you deeper, I and was, you got mad that Matt threw you deeper. <laughs> I was joking. I was joking because I was saying Matt um, was throwing me under the bus because Sam, I'm the only GM for Sam currently, so I was saying, oh, Matt is, is, uh, is subtweeting me. I was joking. Oh, Joking, oh, but then Matt were... doubled down. I, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting the double down. You know what? Deal with the judges. Describe better here. I'll give you I do. <laughs> he said, "Mold." Really fuck off. See, I do. Oh, fuck. But yeah, it does help if your DM describe. Even like uh, sometimes, if combat's taking too long, my brain will shut off and I will describe things a little less. But I at least try and put some tiny bit of effort in describing oh, shit in combat. Sure. Like, yeah. It, I said this really early on in like the uh, what like the the one of our how to run a game episodes and and mm. my biggest thing with combat is enthusiasm. If you're enthusiastic right. about it, if you're ex- explaining it in an enthusiastic way, it's infectious, and okay. the other players mm. will start to see it that way as well. For so, sure. yeah, yeah, uh, side note: this is all well and good. None of this is about the actual design of the game, which is really the thing I'm, I'm harping on. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but it's something that D- and it's pr- hopefully something that will be addressed in the one DD DMG. Yeah, it will because that's it is one of the things that were talked about in the summit is teaching these things to DMs like, hey, I, you should maybe add a little bit of flavor ups. in. Hmm? I so I mean, you, I, you cannot I, have your hopes yeah, up. That doesn't mean it's not going to be there. So right. no, it's while not, it I'm may not. be there, I I do think that based on. You know, Wizards' previous help, quote unquote, for mm. DMs. It, it's it's not great. Not a great so unless they unless they prove their particular writing with that, I I'm not holding up my hopes for it being particularly useful for anybody, but maybe new DMs. Yeah, no. Either way, this is all talking about GM intervention. I'm talking right. about the way the game is on its own. So, so yes, GM intervention can do a lot of magical things, but that's not really the point. Mm. Uh, shit, where was I? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. A couple other examples I want. I mentioned the druid shapeshifter ability in Dungeon World, so I'm just gonna mm-hmm. read this mm-hmm. one out and sort of explain the point. So, uh. <clears throat> When you call upon the spirits to change your shape, you roll plus your wisdom. A 10 plus, you hold three. On a seven to nine, you hold two. On a miss, you hold one in addition to whatever the GM says. So uh, hold in in the context of Dungeon World and, and most Powered by the Apocalypse games is sort of like a little temporary currency that you have for your ability that you could spend to do things. Uh, it's kind of like an ammo count. Uh, the in addition to whatever the GM says part is anytime you roll a six or below in a powered by the apocalypse game, the GM gets to be like, okay, 
uh, something bad happens to you. So in this case, you still get to shape change. The, the GM never tells you, cannot ever tell you, you don't shape change. They like can't take that away from you unless there's some sort of crazy fictional thing where it's like you're in a fucking anti-magic dimension or whatever. You know, shit like that, obviously. Fictional stuff. But like mechanically speaking, they can't tell you no. You can't fail the role. Uh, take the physical form of any species whose essence you have studied or who lives in your land. Basically, you know, animal you're familiar with. Uh, you and your possessions meld into the species form, you know, the usual stuff. You have innate abilities and weaknesses of the form. Claws, wings, gills, breathing water instead of air. You still use your normal stats, but uh, some moves may be harder to trigger. A house cat will find it harder to do battle with an ogre. GM will also tell you one or more moves associated with your new form. Spend one hold to make that move. Once you're out of hold, you return to your natural form. At any time, you may spend all your hold to revert. Things I like about this. You're not taking on any stat blocks. You're just saying, I turn into this animal. That's the first thing. That's already really free form. And like, you know, it, it lets you do the, the Doric like, I'm going to turn into a fly. And then you don't have to worry about a fly stat block. The Drew just gets to turn to the fly and do the thing. Uh, the hold mechanic, the GM gets to tell you. All right, cool. So in the form, let's go with the house cat example, I suppose. Uh <laughs> In the form of a house cat, you can climb walls, you can uh, hide, and you could claw the shit out of someone. You get to spend one of your hold to just do that. Because you're that animal, you just get to do that. You don't even have to make a roll, you just go for it. Once you burn up all your hold, that's when you turn back. You also notice there's no timer on the shapeshifter ability in Dungeon World. Because there's no timers on anything in Dungeon World because they don't care about like time spans, really. So, the druid character could turn into a house cat and sneak around the house like sneak or break into the bad guy's home and stay there all day as the house cat and if all they're doing is sort of like hiding or like moving around and acting like a cat that's not necessarily using any of their hold they could just do that all day long maybe they'll have to make a couple of like normal moves uh which is to say sort of the rough equivalent of like a DD check like stealth check um they could just do that all day long and stay there. Uh, also, to go back to the Doric and the Honor Among Thieves example, you can go from form to form. So there's that restrictions not there and there's no limit. And you might say, OK, so how do you stop the Druid from just doing this constantly? Uh, every time you make a roll, there's a chance you fail the roll. Anytime you fail the roll, bad shit happens to you. Every time you have to shapeshift, you're taking that chance. That's sort of the the primary uh, balancing. Also, so it's almost like wild magic for druids. Okay. Um. No, I wouldn't. No. So it's not well, it's, the punishment thing. Well, no. So the punishment thing is a universal mechanic in the game. Anytime you roll yep. a seven to nine or a, so seven to nine, you get a medium success, which is to say you get what you want at a cost. Six and below, you might not get. You may get what you want. You may not, and something bad happens. Also, so. It's like a fictional thing. It's more like failing a check in D&D. It's like, I would like to sell check. You fail. Okay, cool. You are now spotted. What do you do? So like the druid example, you might shapeshift into the cat. If you failed that roll, you still get to shapeshift into the cat. You still get one hold. But some dude on the street saw you shapeshift and starts making a commotion. What do you do? You know what I mean? You put in like, okay, you get, you get to do the thing, but now you have to respond to a problem. 
and that is, you know, that ability I just love because of how freeform it is and how, like, you could do so many cool ideas and you could literally do the Doric scene with this mechanic. No problem. You know what I mean? Um, I will say I, I rule, uh, I, I rule it slightly different when I ran Dungeon World where instead of telling the player what abilities their form has i just say what do you do as that animal and if it's something that i felt like uh is worthy of spending hold via the animal's innate abilities then i just had them spend the hold rather than like make a list because i just didn't feel like making a list so if a player is like i turn into a bear and i use my bear's weight to like tackle a dude i'll be like all right spend one hold to do that um, but that's sort of a me adjusting that rule ever so slightly uh and then the other one, and Isaiah actually knows about this one. The fighter's signature weapon. And I mean, I don't even really got to say much about this. The fighter gets a signature weapon in Dungeon World, and they get to pick a bunch of enhancements and traits to define what the weapon looks like, how it works, what cool abilities it has. And I mean, that's like it's quintessential fighter shit, like in terms of like the cinematic feel of a fighter character. Like, you have your specific weapon. You're a Belmont. You have your whip. You're Link. You have the fucking Master Sword. You know what I mean? Like, that vibe is like... I mean, it doesn't get better than that. As far as I'm concerned. And on top of that, the sort of... Um, sort of easy-to-hack nature of, of most Power by the Apocalypse games means that if you can't make exactly what you want out of the fighter signature weapon, it's pretty easy to make a couple adjustments and be like, boom, bang, boom. So like Isaiah literally, uh, when we played Dungeon World for like two sessions, Isaiah literally made a whip character and we made some like small mechanical adjustments like boom, whip. Uh, yeah. Uh, not, not much else to say about that one. I just think the signature weapons. Oh, and that's what I was talking about, where I was like the difference between the paladin and the fighter in Dungeon World is like you could make the argument that the paladin is numerically better. But the fighter's signature weapon is such a cool and evocative thing that almost that one ability alone is enough to make you be like, yeah, I want to play a fighter instead. You know what I mean? And nobody else gets that ability, too, which is a key point. That whole niche protection topic, right? If something is really yep. cinematic and, and invokes the fantasy of a specific class, don't give that cool thing away to somebody else. <laughs> right? The, the druid's wild shape. Nobody else gets to use that. The channel divinity is the cleric's thing. Well, the cleric and the paladin. So that, maybe that's a bad example, but bardic inspiration is the bard's thing. Uh, that's also as an aside. Part of the reason in DD I hate how much spell crossover there is nowadays. I hate that a lot, of, like, there's no real s spells that are unique to any of the classes because some subclass inevitably is going to give you the spells. Yeah, like, I mean, there's I, a couple. There's, there's a few. There's a couple in there. Like, uh, I forgot what it's called. It's It came out in uh, Xanathar's. It's the, the, you know, the stone pillar spell. I always thought it was like a wizard, like sorcerer spell, but in 5e, it's just a druid spell. Only druids can make nice. stone pillars. I don't know why, but I like that. The only them. Uh, I don't Still know. Only me, them. I, I really like the spell crossover in 5e because it does that. It does the thing that I really like where it doesn't like if I take a class, 
I'm not necessarily pigeonholed into a role or theme. I can dabble in other ones, and I really appreciate that. So I, I, I definitely wouldn't count that as a negative. Uh, it's such a, I don't know, it's like a fine line. I feel like it it, it kills the fantasy of some. Yeah, but again, Josh, this is the edition where everyone fucking multi-class, so you have people this who are true. doing the heck. The Hexagen Source Lock, fucking whatever the hell. This is true. So you have people who are like, my thing is I'm the sorcerer magic, but also I cast, I have a pact with an Eldritch Abomination. Also, I'm in full plate. And you're like, what are you? Matt out here you? just casually <laughs> dropping his triggers I'm sorry. to the world. I love, I love my buddy Wolf. I love him, but I, I do not enjoy <laughs> the Hexagen things. That's, That's fair, bud. <laughs> I mean, it is. I, I don't think anybody blames you. It is. You it's know. just a. It's just a DM thing. Like I, I don't. I don't actually take any actual offense to it, but it's just a thing I like to yeah. poke fun at because it, it's an easy target. I'm sorry. It's just it's fair. It do be. I mean, for, yeah. For me, it's like, uh, like in my mind, if it were up to me, spell like a spell like Entangle, for example, that would be Druid and Ranger only. Like there's just. Uh, I don't. Know. I. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people disagree I mean, I, with me on this, but I just. I, mean, I, I, hate... I do like Ranger though. I like Ranger having it. The, like yeah, Ranger the nature boys get the nature stuff. You know, like yeah, yeah, that's fine. And then and the one, the one rain, uh, the one nature paladin. Yeah, so that's the one that's so they like. I wear wood armor. A little. So, yeah, I don't know. That's I mean, what I mean, right? It's a fine line because yes, the Green Knight is a thing. So it's like, paladin get it? I guess kinda. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a fine line. Well, that's why the subclasses again. Five E super big on subclasses. That's where like a lot of this crossing yeah, over comes from. Well, I'm like both so for it, it can be annoying. It can also yeah. enhance. I'm for and against it at the same time. You're gonna say as a. Oh, I was just gonna say. Well, it's the kind of like the Green Knight thing, right? Is like you yeah. you get a like. I don't, I don't know. I if, this might be a point of contention across people who like Five E, but I could give a fuck. Um, I like the idea that you're like, oh, well, I want to play kind of like a hunter, but the well, the ranger's not really my vibe, so I'll do some fighter, and like, you know, I'll do some eldritch knights to give them some nature base. But like, I like that you can do that, because like for me, yeah. I really do not like wild shape for druid. Yeah. So if I want to play a nature caster, I can still do that and not feel like I'm losing shit on level ups because it's pumping a bunch of shit into wild shape. The thing that I don't care about. It's I, so weird because a lot, again, even Wizards of the Coast admitted that like Druids are one of the least played class in, in 5e and you think watch and now they're trying to make it with one D&D that wild shape is their main shtick. When wild shape's always been are, their main shtick. This. OK, hold on. Well, hold on. You, well, you, you, that's the thing you for moon Druids. Yes. Any other time All I see someone playing. No, anytime I see somebody else playing a druid, they either do the thing where well, you have the flame druid who's they use their wild shape to summon a fire avatar. Okay. Uh, you have the spore druid who uses theirs yeah, to undead do more poison damage. Yeah. Like, well, also, like, Isaiah, like they gave now, you what you want, too. Oh, yeah, go for it. They did give you what you want because the other subclasses do use wild shape for different shit. No, I, I know they do. I was just giving sort of an example. Like, yeah. I don't know. My thing is like... The stereotypical druid, the the animal changing kind of is the shtick. Like, well, I, I that is the very for me, I, honestly. No, yeah, I, you're a minority, I, Isaiah. I don't well, think no, I am. Cause I, no, because so, me okay. and Isaiah are in the same boat. Because I always I, thought that it was the the land druid. The land druid is basically a druid wizard. They are a magician. So, they are a magic user who uses magic from the land. And you're I, depending I do, on what land I do you are. I think I know where the source of this is. Hmm. Um, Goddamn furries. World of Warcraft. 
Oh. WoW is definitely yeah, an influence. I'm not going to say it's not, but I don't think it's just WoW. I think a lot I, of people... I, I think that, yes, a lot of people have this assumption, but that's because games like WoW have popularized the idea that druids should do this. I, like, think, I feel I, like, though, even, even in, like, mythology, <sighs> the idea of the archetypal druid, they always turn into an animal at some point. No. I, I the, feel, the, the, I the, feel the like the animals... Shapeshifting is just kind of a thing that magic users did, not specifically druids. Okay, yeah, yeah like I mean, you, maybe it's more about, of a general magic thing. Well, kind of, because the Arthurial druids were just nature wizards. Yeah, they, I mean, like, look they, at the witcher. They, they were like, more like the idea of a witch, like, casting spells mm -hmm. over a cauldron kind of shit. It wasn't like, mm. I turn into an animal. And yeah. for me, I, I think the, the, for me, like, the archetypal druid is just like, I command the elements! Like, yeah. that's it. And that's what I want. I I like. I don't want to turn into a fucking squirrel. <laughs> yeah. I, again, circle your, your hatred. Your hatred of of the shapeshift. I do not. I it's, I, I don't hate it. I just don't. Well, you bring want up it to be a universal ability. I just I just don't care enough. Because well, I never use. I I've played a druid tw I, what once or twice, and I literally went mm, never going to use this. Like, and you know, the one time I did, I, I was the fucking wildfire druid for the one shot. And I was like, oh, this makes me not want to shoot myself in the fucking foot. Hmm. I just don't. Right. We're really, not, I'm, like, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. So bite, bite, tongues, bite tongues. Because I, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm very heat, I'll get very heated on this one. I, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I do have something I want to I want to bring to the table. I brought something uh, for show and tell today, teacher. Matt, you yeah. brought things to the table. I did know. You bring I enough for the. I class? had one last example, I, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, well, so my example is actually something I'm currently using in my strict saving game. Uh, the the quote unquote knockoff Quidditch, also known as Mage Tower, which in the book it gives to you as just a skill challenge. It's not, isn't it but, like one roll? Uh, it's. <sighs> So here, I'll copy paste this so you guys can see. But basically, it's three. I'm just going to say, you know, they say phases, but it's three turns of calm, you know, skill challenge where the players do two rules per turn. And then they give you a couple extra rules for like, if you want to cast a spell, you grant advantage. And, you know, like it, it's a lot of text. I'm sorry. But basically, it just it, it just breaks down to a total of six skill checks. And then. If you want to not yeah. do a skill for a turn, you can cast a spell, which so I, me, I, yeah, me and my players have been going back and forth and we finally like I actually added a few phases. We tweaked some shit and now the players enjoy doing it. So do I enjoy doing a, it. There's a you have a question about this, Matt, or like, no, he's no, using I'm it as an I'm, example I, of what he yeah. he would prefer to be more would cinematic I prefer because so, yeah. so so here here's here's my thing. Yeah. This is way too specific. Hmm. Yes, it is, too, it is absolutely. It is. It is just way too specific 100%. for what it is. It needed like it being specifically broken into phases is whatever. Phases, um, are fine. but the fact, but the fact that it's like, the yeah, this is checks. what you do. This is yeah. what you do. Yeah. Like, not oh, can I do this? And then you give them a check. It's you do this. Because yep. yeah. yep. I I prefer the norm. Like I guess the normal or I guess fourth edition method of skill checks where. There's a situation you, me as a DM, writes out a like a bunch of answers that the players can do f depending on what skill they pick, and just let them pick the skills, and they might come up with even better answers than I have or, or creative ways than I I thought of. 
like yes. the whole Matt Colville tower mm -hmm. thing. When I ran that, I didn't have any answers down. I just let my players like, all right, how do you escape the crumbling castle? Right. Skill challenge. So, so yeah, that's the thing is, yeah, absolutely. It's too, too specific. The fact that it calls out specific skills like acrobatics check to dash past the opposing team, blah, blah, wisdom insight check to anticipate the, blah, blah. I, you know, I hate all that. Get all that out of here. I also don't mm -hmm. like that it specifies the different level of casting, giving like a specific kind of benefit because you're going to tell me that fly and fireball give the same benefit in this scenario. I, right? I, I will also, I will also say that this is meant for players between level five and six. So they're I, just getting third level spells and then the, you know, level six, they'll have a few more slots. I mean, yeah, that's fine. So, I'm, I'm not, it, it has nothing to do with the player level. What I'm saying is the fact that they specified spell level in any way, I think is dumb. And the fact that they lumped all of them by level and are like, oh, third level spells do this first and second do this. When the spells do, when the spells in the game do so many crazy different things, those two blocks of text should just not be there. Instead, what it should say is probably something along the lines of, you can if you can use a spell in a creative way, your GM could grant you advantage or your GM could grant you a successful tick on the clock. You know, something along yeah. those lines, something that's way more say, broad. I, I left out that they did give an example for the whole first. Like they said, like, you know, like DMI cast grease on the floor to make my, you know, my ally slide faster across the, you know, the field <laughs> or whatever. Like, yeah, they literally said that's like the one example they give in the book. I, I know what their train of thought was. Yeah. I just think trying to trying to lump the spells all into one big basket and like first and second and then third is just not like casting a third level or higher ca casting a spell of third level or higher counts as a successful ability check for the purpose of determining the winning team what you're saying is whether i cast fly or i blow up the enemy team with fireball it's the same effect either way that that's goofy like that's not that just feels that just feels like a very clinical game well, designy mechanical at, like yeah. X does Y. That's all that is. At that point, it doesn't even feel like you're playing a game. You're not yeah in the game. You're just you're sort just, of you're solving a puzzle. Yeah. Sort of thing. What, what I mean, were you gonna you, say, Isaiah? Sorry, I know you were trying to. I was gonna say weirdly enough for me, um, I don't feel like my personal beef is that the rules are too stringent. I just think there's not enough of them, weirdly enough. Okay. So well, I we uh in my home game, I've actually added two phases. Yeah. With different no, I, skills. I know you said and, that, but yeah. I, I mean like I don't even mean like phases. Like I want rules oh, for intercepts. I want rules for oh, yeah. ball passing. I uh -huh, want uh -huh. rules for catching mm -hmm. and like See the problem I So that, that, that's I did kind of so what wait, I was wait. about to get yeah. into. Wait, okay, yeah, hold yeah, on, because yeah. I feel like I, I think the thing we're talking so as I was thinking it's uh, brain there's two he, he's there's two yeah. camps there's two camps in this scenario right mm -hmm. if so you're playing mage tower in the Strixhaven game yep. if yep. you want the harry pottage quidditch match scene you need to do what mm -hmm. isaiah is saying you need to add more to it to get that really cinematic like turning the quid you know like the quidditch scene and being like yes we're gonna play this out for an extended period of time yeah. If you want this to just be like a little quick moment, the players go out, have a match, come back, then you can pare down and simplify the rules. So you have to decide. That's a big thing with like 
deciding what direction you want the game design to go in and then saying, is this something I want to spend time with that I want to be big and cinematic? Or is this sort of a footnote to something else? Right, because the whole next big thing of the campaign is mainly playing this game. And one of the other okay, things. So it should be more than. The, yeah. So uh, besides adding the two other phases, which my players really liked. The other thing is the magic rules. My Now we're trying to decide back and forth between do we the players like they didn't enjoy the fact that just like I have to spend the turn to cast the spell just does it. And then all I'm doing is giving someone else yep. advantage. Yep. Can't I just give that's get, not cast the spell. That's not cinematic. That exactly. Yeah. You're just yeah, giving so advantage. I, I've been bouncing back and forth on it because I'm like, this may add some complication into it, but also it's going to be it's probably pretty it. fucking fun. So yes. I might just yeah, that's the thing where I'm like, I might say, yeah, yes. but then the other part is the third level spell and higher rule, which also then when we start getting the higher level spells, shit's going to get wonky and just just not not saying like not trying to like, you know, call out players, whatever. Only one of my players by this point will be able to cast third level spells. So that means if like hypothetically I threw an entire team of wizards at my players, entire team of wizards be like, all right, so the entire other mage tower team is going to cast fireball. Every single one of them. Okay. Yeah. And that would yeah. be a dickhead move. Yes. That would be yes. like super uh -huh. unfun. <laughs> right. Because you're just you're just solving the puzzle with the answer that is the correct. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, say your thing, and then I I have some um, ideas. So, what, to build on what Isaiah was saying, yeah. and this is why I say it's too specific. Uh, it, by going the opposite direction and making it, hey, like, you know, here's an example of rules, then the DM can just make rulings for those things. Like, yes, having catching, you know, intercepting, passing, whatever rules is perfectly fine. It is a good way for people to visualize what they can do in the match. Um, but I think that having like, you know, if you're going to do the phases thing, you can't be too specific no. if you're not going to be broad. Because uh, like when I say broad, I mean, like if you're going to be specific, you have to have a very large scope of what people can do versus, hey, you can do these two things or you can cast a spell. Yeah, the the. Yeah, I mean, also kind of building in from what Isaiah was saying. So, like, if I were to, if it were my job to make this mini game, right? Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make this, let's say, or actually, fuck it. Let's say I'm running Strixhaven and I want this to be the big Quidditch scene. And I forget, I remember, is it like the third Harry Potter movie where they have like the big tournament or something? The fourth, the fourth. That's literally what I'm basing the, the fourth the thing. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> they have, a, they the have like a big tournament, Quidditch tournament, tournament, tournament right? Say, they, they have one in every, every movie, but. But yeah. wasn't well, there the, the tournament? Yeah. The tournament's like a big well, thing at some point. So there's the professional one. Yeah. Uh, but I forget which book that's. that's the fourth oh, one. right. Yeah. Wait, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The, the right, one with right. Victor Crumb, that's the fourth one. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you want this scene, you want this, the Mage Tower session to mm. be a big cinematic moment. You're like, yeah, we're going to make the yeah. thing. The players are going to play, uh, they're going to be on the team. They're going to do the cool shit. All right. How do you handle it? Um, the phases are fine. I think I think you doing it in in some sort of uh, semi turn structure is probably a good idea. Mm -hmm. The magic rules, throw all that shit out and just say you can use a spell on your turn 
and tell me how the spell is effective or helpful and I will tell you what the response is. Maybe you have to make a check. Maybe it, you know, it would depend on the spell, right? All right, the ball carrier I cast fly on. Cool. The ball carrier gets advantage because he just gets to now fly over everyone. You know, that's a pretty straightforward one. Mm -hmm. I would like to fireball the ground in front of the enemy team. Okay. Enemy team's going to make a roll to try and like dodge around your fireball. You know, like make it a real, make it basically a situation of tell me what you're doing much like a like a skill challenge tell me what you're doing with the spell and then i will respond in kind with what you might have to do what role you might have to make etc that's how i'd handle the magic situation i would not mm. specify it in any way because again the fireball the fireball versus fly thing is like so silly to me and it is funny matt that you mentioned yeah the enemy team of wizards could just all cast fireball and automatically win which is like exactly that's literally why, yeah, what which- <laughs> Yeah, Stupid. I know, which is why I've had, like, I- I've already made a bunch of the teams. They're not all, like, mages. Yeah, because that would be like, awful. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, But yeah. again, that's why I'm like, it's like taking consider the rules and then also considering my players and then being like, if I do this, they will be at disadvantage because of this. Yeah. Because only one um, player is going to be able to do this, like, third level spell nonsense. Another th- so, so another, so in terms of, like, how you would handle checks and stuff, uh, my train of thought would be okay uh, kind of like what Isaiah was saying rules for specific things if you're trying to catch up to a dude uh, you know maybe you have to make a check or maybe you could base it on movement speed that's kind of or maybe you could just have a rule where like you spend your movement for the turn catching up to another player mm. in terms of rules are like alright you have to make some kind of check to pass the default, I think probably what you could do is have like a default assumption of what the check might be, but then be open to other possibilities, right? So like to throw the ball and pass it might be the default assumption is an athletics check. But if your big brain sorcerer player explains how he uses mage hand or some shit to do it, maybe have him make a spell attack roll to pass the ball. You know what I mean? That's the kind of yeah, yeah. that I would leave it open. I would give like this is what you normally would be and then leave it open to other ideas because you want the creative because the thing is, right? You want the creative cinematic moment of like, I came up with a good idea. I'm going to fucking rope a dope a dude. You know, you want the moment mm-hmm. where Harry flies up into the fucking clouds and goes all the way up and up and up and up and up until he eventually catches the snitch. Right. You want to like enact that in some way like, right. you know, Maybe Harry's making multiple checks. Maybe he throws a spell to like do to like boost his. Maybe he casts haste on his broom to try and catch up faster. You, know, mm-hmm. you want to keep it broad so that you can have those creative ideas. But then the sort of cinematic flair part comes from here's some suggested ways the player can overcome it, and then here's some other stuff they could do if they have a cool idea. You know, basically what I'm saying is structure it like a fucking powered by the apocalypse move have them make the role have a couple of outcome possibilities from the role you know okay a big i mean a big part of powered by the apocalypse games and uh, everyone take another shot again if you're not already dead um (laughs) is uh the basic moves have when you roll them have multiple things like underneath Mm. them they have like bullet points like the uh actually here hold on yeah better example i will I will also specify. Actually, I'll ask this because I'm. This is how I'm going to be running it. Uh, normally, in the book, yep. they give me a set. Actually, so normally in the book, they only play this fucking game once. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm yeah, doing it multiple times. Absolutely, should be multiple times. <laughs> so stupid. Um, 
in the book, how it's normally supposed to be run is they give you a set DC. And that's it. It's oh. the same DC for yeah. every fucking Oh, no, phase. no, it's got to be and it's so got to be a changing I, DC. Absolutely. Well, so what I what I'm doing at the, at the moment, this might change is I or I have a I have a bunch of NPC teams with various amounts of skills and abilities and stuff. And I'm basically doing it as contested attack, uh, contested, you know, skill checks. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Because, again, see, this is the thing, right, Matt? You're teasing, mm -hmm. you're teasing this little minigame out to make it a bigger moment. So adding yeah. more granularity like that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. I, 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 me and my player, like, we've played, we've done a version, we've done three different versions of this. Each time trying to update it and make it better so that when I get to this when we as the, as a you know gaming group get to the torn the anime tournament mage tower tournament <laughs> like we'll finally have a fucking game and everyone's on the same page yeah because even right now after the third game and we're like all right it's like 90 percent complete we just need to tweak one or two things and i think we'll be good for the for you know the tournament i'm like okay all right this, this is way better than yeah where we were in the i beginning. think i think honestly for stuff like this you need to think fiction first, not mechanics first. And 5e by default is mechanics first. I think you want to stay. You want to go. All right. What's the fictional thing I'm trying to go for? OK, this is what I'm going for. What is the mechanical reaction? This is the reaction. What is the fictional resolution? You know, so player says. Uh, I cast grease on the floor so that my uh, my teammate with the ball could try and like fucking ice skate around the enemy. All right, cool. You cast grease on the floor. Player with the ball. You have advantage for this role. Give me an acrobatics role as you try and fucking ice skate your way around. You know what I mean? That's the kind of flow you want to have. Fictional thing throws grease. Mechanical resolution advantage. Fictional finish ice skates around. Well, also mechanical uh, role plus advantage. Uh, fictional finish. You manage to rope a dope the enemy. All right. You rope a dope around the enemy. They're now confused as they're trying to turn around and catch up with you. What's your next move? You know what I mean? That really like fiction yeah. mechanic resolution and like keep that kind of a snap flow and have a guideline of like generally if a player would like to pass a ball, they make an athletics check. Generally, if a player would like to dodge a tackle, they make an acrobatics check and then be open to like suggestions. Mm -hmm. And if you want to like add a little bit more you know if you want to get a little bit more mathy on certain things because that's the kind of vibe 5e has you can but since you're already you've already set up the opposing team's npc stat blocks you're kind of already doing that anyway like you've mm -hmm. kind of already done that step by setting up the enemy team so you're yeah. probably fine yeah and spoilers not spoilers for my players but like each team is themed for a different like <laughs> maneuver or thing they can do nice. so it's, it's gonna be there really you go. cool that's a good idea i like that yeah, yeah. i just keep thinking of fucking blood that's bowl. also side note matt <laughs> side note yeah that's yeah. absolutely cinematic as fuck right oh yeah that the fucking the i mean that's a thing in the sports anime right like oh what's your cool fucking technique thing oh i do this fucking crazy shit where i like jump off everyone's head to dunk the basketball you know like that's mm -hmm. totally like the cinematic vibe of the of the sports competition arc yeah yeah, I mean, <laughs> now I'm just like I'm just thinking about like boxing anime and shit and how oh, ridiculous yeah. that shit gets. 
was it was not yeah. an example I'm using against my players, but an example of a team I saw where it's like, yeah, it's just a bunch of like, you know, magicians and other magic casters that specifically, you know, do earth magic yeah. of some sort. Uh huh. And yeah. it's just like, what does that mean? It's like, well, that Earth. guy does sand stuff. That guy literally just makes pillars of stones to knock the ball around all the time. Yeah. Uh, this is just an Earth elemental. It's you the just, it's the know, fucking uh, it's the pro bending circuit, right? In Avatar, oh, yeah. it's yeah, it's yeah. totally that. Yeah. Vibe. I mean, I I would think about too. Um, there's another game who I think only Isaiah has played this, but uh, a super giant game, Pyre. Actually, Sam, have you hey, played Pyre? Yeah. Okay. I have um, only played Hades in terms of super giant games. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Uh. So in Pyre, you're basically playing uh, magical fantasy soccer to get out of prison, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, is that the one with the the girl with the uh, the like, big horns? gigantic devil horn? Yes, yeah. yes. I've seen that art. Yes. That's like, Joe Dario like, from Pyre. Yeah, I'm like your horns are like way too big for your fucking head. <laughs> yeah, you leave Jody alone. <laughs> I love her. Um, so yes, in Pyre, like your main crew. It doesn't have a theme because you know you're the main characters of course you get to be more diverse right but all the enemy teams you fight one team one team is all treant dudes another team is big weird snake ladies another team is nice. all harpies so it's like yeah that's totally uh a weird uh, fiction trope now i'm mad i didn't do a team that was the secret snake club so you want to just make them all you want to yeah yeah that'd be a good damn, one damn hold on i gotta rewrite be, some stuff yeah, <laughs> that might be a good idea <laughs> Um, from yeah. Lake Ontario, Canada. You know, it's funny too, Matt, because <laughs> I remember a while ago uh, when you mentioned the Mage Tower shit in Strixhaven, and I was like, "Oh, that's a really like that's a cool idea." And then I read yeah. that chunk of the rules, and I was like, "It's that's it. That's yeah, all." It's you, basically the captured the it's captured the flag on a massive field, but instead of flags, you're capturing animals. Yeah, with the mascot creatures. It's just like with spells it just it just really it, it's sort of like uh, what you're doing matt is absolutely what i would have been doing if i was running this because i was so like it just really exemplified my frustration with 5e when i was like oh this really cool idea that they have that's like really evocative and then mm-hmm. i look at what they give you and i'm like oh you gave me basically nothing yeah uh, okay so it's so it went from being this fun vague and evocative idea to like not very good cinematic design and now yeah, and I'm just kind of like okay and i know like it takes, it takes anyone, the wind out of my sails yeah i know uh jacob from xp is level three he made a whole strict saving video and one of the things he specifically said of you know strict saving the main thing of the campaign is is very role play heavy it is very role play heavy yeah it's, just and it's extremely bare bones and i've had to add a lot of stuff to make it work and my players love it but yeah, the, like the Mage Tower thing, like, again, I've had to change it three separate times and still it's not like I'm not 100% happy with it yet. So no, but I it, think you're definitely you're yeah. you're um, you're in the right brain space. Because, mm. you know, uh, the crux of this, this whole. Well, <laughs> yeah. it was a, OK, hold on. <laughs> I want to bring up. I want to bring up one more. Uh, I want to bring up an yeah. Apocalypse World example that I like a lot. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce off of it. I had more examples, but it's fine. Mm. So one of the uh, one of the playbooks in Apocalypse World playbooks being basically classes uh, is the Gunlugger, and the Gunlugger is your, is your Mad Max character. And when I say Mad Max, I mean the dude. Uh, 
They're the big badass. They're the tough motherfucker. They're going to beat everyone's ass. Nobody messes with them. You know, they're that's kind of the gun luggers archetype. They also have a lot of guns, as you might imagine. No. One of their moves is called not to be fucked with in all caps, which I love a lot. Um, and what this well, move then. says is, yeah, Apocalypse World does that a lot. Uh, they have another move called Insano like Drano. But uh, yeah, one of their moves is called <laughs> not to be fucked with. And what this says is in battle, you count as a small gang with harm and armor according to your gear. What does that mean to count as a small gang? In the context of Apocalypse World, when you're fighting a group of dudes, if they're a bigger group than you are, your armor and your harm, which is to say your damage, go down by one point. And one hmm. point is significant in Apocalypse World because everyone effectively has six health. So one point matters. Uh, so if you're one person and ten dudes jump you, your armor and health are effectively down by one. The not to be fucked with ability means you count as up to 15 dudes. So if you're the gun lugger and 15 guys jump you, you can reasonably beat and kill all of them. And it's not even hard. Like, that's just a thing you could do. You basically need one, maybe two good rolls and you killed the whole gang. And I fucking... <laughs> I love that ability, <laughs> right? Because it's the ultimate fantasy of like, I'm the biggest badass in the room. You know, it's literally the scene, I guess, again, minor spoilers. It's the scene in Honor Among Thieves when Holga picks up the brick and beats the shit out of six dudes with a brick. You know, like, that's literally what that is. It's like, oh, yeah, she's the biggest badass in the room. She's the cool fucking barbarian. She could just go to clown town on six guys at once. Shit like that, I fucking love. And, you know, you could make the argument like, well, Rage lets you do that. And it it does to a degree. It lets you do it in a very numerical kind of fashion. But, yeah, like, it does sort of get the point across. Um, It also depends on what six dudes you're fighting and what level your barbarian is and all this other shit, right? Which Apocalypse World doesn't have levels or CR or anything like that. So it's a different, you know, tonally different vibe. Mm -hmm. your, your barbarian can absolutely fight six commoners at level like five for example or six uh guards at level five no problem for example um although it won't be very exciting it'll be the guards make a bunch of attacks the barbarian makes a bunch of attacks the guards make a bunch of attacks. yeah <laughs> but you can do it that's where you get into the descriptive realm to spice things up um but yeah the the not to be fucked with ability is like oh, it's just so good and i've seen it i've seen it play out in game and in, in such like awesome ways uh, it also means when you're in a 1v1 confrontation with someone as the gun lugger you will just absolutely clown that fool <laughs> you know like you're just gonna beat the shit out of them uh, nice. they have very little chance uh, but really the what that uh, what that move in that in apocalypse were really highlights for me is the idea of have this idea and this is the big crux right i have this idea in my head i should be able to do this this is the cool concept in my brain you know if i'm the fucking if i'm the fighter i should be able to charge the dragon and then you open up the rule book and you read this move or this ability or this spell or this power or whatever and you go yeah 
That's exactly what I was thinking. Now it is represented, and now I'm way more excited to play, you know? If I'm playing the cleric, and I'm like, man, it'd be sick if I could, like, summon my god, and then you read Divine Intervention, and you go, oh, let's fucking go, I'm playing a cleric. It's gonna be lit. And then you get sad because it's only a 10% chance, but that's beside the point. <laughs> um, It's like that... That whole thing... That is literally the thing for me personally. That is the thing that made me like really get into tabletop is having an idea about like a certain kind of fantasy of a of a character class of a story of a you know whatever and then finding the game that perfectly fits what I need and being like yes it's a beautiful marriage you know and, and that's why that's why I personally doing the thing where you're like oh we'll just you know hack 5e to do whatever you want that's the real reason i don't like doing that is because i want that marriage to be easy and seamless i don't want to have to like fight for it you know what i mean and i know a lot of people are going to disagree and be like no just fucking do it for it like you're just being lazy like whatever it's like when i said you know oh, I really want to play a game that feels like Peaky Blinders. And then I looked at Blades in the Dark and went, ah, it's Peaky Blinders with some fantasy bullshit. I'm in. It's such a, like, just gets me so excited to play. You know what I mean? I mean, actually, I mean, shit. I don't know. Sam, maybe... I, I distinctly remember when we were getting into Souls of Steel that you kind of mm -hmm. were on a similar wavelength with that game, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That game really invokes so many good tickled. ideas. Shame it wasn't finished. It, it, I, I know, right? I just I I think the one of the big things is that it's like um at least with like the mech creation aspect, it allowed you to obviously there's some DM intervention, but it allowed you, the player, to decide what your strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah. Versus, you know, Oh hey, um, player. Uh, this is the class. Uh, this is how it works. Have fun. Yeah. And it, it it being very specific, and it's like, okay, you know, having the ability to make a mech, and it's just like, okay, you know, I can do all this cool shit, but because I can, I have this negative where it directly affects the play style of me and I'm deciding it, yeah. not the designer. So that definitely makes it feel way more anime. <laughs> yes, it that game felt very anime for sure. I mean, we literally had what like for Isaiah and Matt and I guess been listening. Um, we literally had a, a player who uh, her mech was like a like made of like a liquid metal, essentially. So she could like amorphous blob like between tight spaces and shit with the big fucking robot. And like it was it had so many like good little moments. I forget exactly what the downside was. I want to say she was like more vulnerable or something like that. But uh, they were more vulnerable to fire, I believe. Some some kind of yes, yeah, more vulnerable to something along less armor or something like that. But it was like <gasps> I got such a good got little like ah oh, yeah, delicious. <laughs> Josh, you just what? Thank you. You just gave me the idea. I finally have my oh, idea no. for my plasmoid character. 
Oh my god. It's a beast barbarian plasma character. And then when they transform into the beast mode, they're just a you know a slime person who gets fur covering their entire body. I so there's just a liquid slime ball. How, 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 did, how did anything I say invoke that? Thank you. I what? what? Matt, are you okay? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not with Matt response, response, response. Amazing. I that I I don't know how I invoked that other than the slime correlation, I, but okay. Yeah, like I'm I have no problems with this. It's a great idea, Matt. But like I but like also what <laughs> just weird <laughs> like. How, how did how did how did fur get added to this? Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool, sure. Just happens. I'm not even that. Just let it happen. It's fine. Just, oh, I, I have to let it happen. <laughs> I, I can't stop it. It's here. Anyone? Uh, <laughs> anyone got anything they'd like to add or ask or throw in? <laughs> uh, uh, no, let him cook. Ooh, Matt, I'm not letting Matt cook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I refuse. I don't know. I've never tasted Matt's cooking. Listen, I... That was a bad joke. I'm I'm ashamed know, to admit bro, that I can only cook... steaks yesterday. She was so good. I can only mm. cook breakfast foods. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm a Brenner kind of guy. It's all... That, never mind. Never mind. Nope. Not, that's bait. <laughs> it's all over this now? Bait. Uh, this is bait. I refuse. <laughs> somebody. Somebody take us somewhere else. <laughs> No. Oh, fuck. All right. Well, I don't know if I have any. As per usual, I. Oh, you know, I don't know if I, I don't think I have any other. I mean, I have a couple other examples, but it's fine. Um, I need to hammer them home with the idea I'm going for. Um. Yeah. I was just, I was just thinking, I was like, Damn, I didn't think I derailed that hard. Holy no, shit. No, 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 you didn't. You didn't. It's just as I was as I was talking. No, 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 Matt. Take pride. It wasn't it wasn't the derail, but it was like as I was talking, another idea just like slapped into my yeah. brain. I was like, ah, it's too much. We're going down too deep of a well, I think, if I go on to that one. Because I was just sort of mm. thinking about I was like, all right, what kind of shit would I do if I really wanted to like pump up the cinematic vibe of 5e? And I was like, yeah, I can't. It's too too deep of a rabbit hole. Too deep of a rabbit hole. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess, you know, when, when particularly, you know, cause most people are gonna, are gonna homebrew their games at some point. I, I think the, the real takeaway for me personally, so many other games mm. and from listening to people who do design and et cetera, et cetera. And from reading other people's homebrew and shit too, is like, for me, the way that you really get the best cinematic vibe where you really get that tone is thinking about what that core fantasy what that core idea is and how you can use any kind of mechanics that are present to sort of boost it up you know that idea of spell slots going into divine smite and how that sort of mechanically reinforces the idea that the smites are magically fueled you know stuff like that and, and all this being said, if you just want to play like a war game style game, then like you can throw all this shit out the window and just crunch the numbers. You know what I mean? Like if you just want to crunch those numbers and crunch those numbers. Um, but I, now, I think I've asked this before because I know you 
like do you play theater of the mind that much in your games or do you, you no. don't like yeah i don't I, have you because have so, you tried like yes because maybe because i know like theater of the mind that a lot of people end up doing that because they like they don't like the tactical grid of the map and i feel that theater of the mind might end up being more cinematic just because of that it's, everyone's using their imaginations but you know there's no there's no battle map you just are literally looking at the monsters yeah your tokens your minis or whatever the fuck so and everyone's just describing shit yes that is absolutely true matt and yes you're you're kind of right on the right track that's kind of what me and sam were talking about uh with the sort of not using a grid-based system and how that can feel like more evocative of the cinematic feel for us but um the reason i don't use theater of the mind is there's uh there's a couple of reasons the main thing is because the game is not designed with that premise in mind that immediately means okay i have to do have to make concessions i have to do some retooling i'm going to run into frustrations i'm gonna have to make calls that that the game is not gonna help me in any way with you know i have to deal with the fact that the game was not designed in that fashion i'm doing something different so now that marriage thing i'm talking about has broken that's the first thing and that's probably the main reason for me personally you know oh gm i would like to throw the fireball down the hall okay cool uh you're gonna hit your friend and you're gonna hit the two uh the two zombies three zombies uh well um gm what if what if i do it like this and curve it around or the friends like what if i move back a little it's like okay, now we're having this little sort of back and forth discussion and you can do it, but the game wants you to just be like, is the, uh, is, is the ally in the AOE? They get hit. Is the ally not in the AOE? They don't get hit on the, you know, on the map. Uh, the other thing is, you know, when people sit down to play a game and if, uh, presuming they've read the game and you haven't just like randomly thrown them into it, they probably have some, you know, they have some notions about how the game's going to go. They want it to feel a certain way. If somebody's read 5e, they're probably going to, well, maybe not 5e. Maybe 5e is a bad example because 5e doesn't explain this very well. But, you know, people ex basically, if you're playing that kind of game, you kind of expect the tactical battle grid map. You know, that's like part of the vibe. And if you're playing that game, presumably you want that. So I don't, I'm not trying to like, take that away you know what i mean like isaiah was saying he likes using the grid map if we all signed up to play 5e and then we sat down session one and i go by the way we're doing literally everything in theater of the mind isaiah had probably been like oh well that's all right that's a little annoying you know what i mean so it's kind of a, it's like a combination of things but but fighting with the rules is is the big one for me and and, and trying to and you can design your own uh sort of subsystems to deal with it but like eh, i don't want to necessarily and i don't even hate them honestly here's the other thing i don't hate the grid map like tactical combat stuff necessarily i find it more laborious and i find it i find uh i find it more tiring for sure like i get tired of it quicker for sure uh but i don't hate it you know I, I agreed to run 5e. I knew that I was going to be doing that. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I made that decision without knowing. So it's just sort of, you know, different games, different vibes. 
I would, you know what I would love though? I would love it if Wizards made a little supplemental book that sort of retooled everything into a theater of the mind system. That'd be cool. I'd be into that. And they did it a little tiny bit in the DMG, but I wasn't it's, very satisfied with it. It felt kind of like, yeah, you tried. It's so weird because most of the people in Wizards of the Coast have said that we play theater of the mind, but the rules that they give yep. aren't the full rules of the context that the wizards use. I, I, and I know people like, you know, Sly Flourish. I, I've shown you guys like he made an updated, like way more detailed version of theater of the mind rules that help a lot of people out. But most 5e people want official like better theater of the mind rules to use to help them yeah because wizards and wizards had kind of admitted this in the last couple of weeks that there is stuff that they use in-house that they did not put into their printed books for some fucking reason that That's would help right. people run their game way better very weird it is weird. and it's like like I, the monsters like their their monster system what they've printed out in dmg what they printed out in xanathar's guide is not all the things that they use in-house when determining monster CR. And it's, uh, and just recently huh. discovering this is like, why? Yeah. Did, you would make our lives so much better. Why are you not why? doing these things? What the fuck? Yeah. Why? Why? So, separate so theater of the mind players to do things. I, yeah. So like the, like an actual update, which Chris Perkins has mentioned, they're doing the mind the, rules yeah they're gonna yeah. do like the wizard they're basically saying like all the stuff that they've been i don't i don't even want to say hiding or withholding Have the stuff that they didn't printed. put in the 2014 books yeah they're going to update and make better and one of those has been theater of the mind they're going to you know all chris right. perkins has said he's going to teach you how to actually do it i i hope <laughs> i hope i hope yeah. those are solid rules and, and don't feel kind of budgy but you know see yeah but that's an interesting i mean that's exciting i think because you know and maybe 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 i'm wrong but the uh and this is sort of a different topic but it's within the same realm maybe this honestly now i'm thinking about this could be an episode topic potentially but like i i feel like the vibe i've gotten from most people most tabletop players most people don't really want the grid map battle system. I I, I feel like m the majority of people are kind of over that. And the reason that it's in the game still and is in a lot of games still is a lot of it, I think, is because of just legacy, you know, and history. I mean, with 5e in particular, there's a lot of things in 5e that literally designers have said the only reason we kept this in the game is for the legacy and the brand. Right. You know what I mean? Like Fireball is in the game and it's overpowered because of the brand. They still use a D20 because of the brand. It's the thing. It's what you do. You know what I mean? There's certain things they won't, you know, the equipment table, which people have, I mean, us included, have lambasted for a long time for being totally pointless. But it's part of the sort of legacy of D&D. &D. It's like, yeah, the equipment table has always been there because it used to be more important. And I think I think. I, and again, I could be wrong, but I feel like the, the temperature gauge I'm getting on the situation, people are sort of over the grid map, you know? Maybe, because I, I don't mean like Isaiah. It. I don't know. I don't. I feel like I don't see it, but maybe it, it's just because, like, again, most of the, my table experience is through digital stuff like Roll20, where it is mostly very grid based. And 
certain like certain other uh, virtual tabletops, like uh, uh, what's the one well, on I don't Steam, think the virtual... Fantasy Grounds, where they try and they treat it more like a video game. Yeah, which I, honestly, yeah, though, some people think, like. I don't. I don't think virtually I, or not matters though, because you could very easily just not play on the grid map on on a VTT. You can. No. I mean, I've done but, it a bunch. Like, it's not. You know, yeah. I don't think no, that's no, a huge. I'm just saying, I don't know. I mean, I, like, I, I I feel like I. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm not hearing it from the circles. I mean, the of fact D&D that, that I, I'm, you know, partaking. Well, uh, I mean, the fact that this Sly Flourish thing you're talking about exists and the fact that the the, the Watsy staff use theater of the mind, I, I think that's pretty telling. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. I guess out of your random career, like I, I lean more away from using a grid system. I prefer <laughs> that less. I, I think, Sam, you're on the same boat as me. Yeah, uh, I think it depends on the game, like That's the way that it's designed. <laughs> no, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so I, I do prefer it when I am trying to make something cinematic happen because, like, playing D and D, you know, sure, it, it it can be used for that, but like, it doesn't evoke the same like image as playing something like Souls of Steel has with me. You know, so if I'm looking to be very, you know, cinematic with my approach to my character or whatever, uh, yeah, I prefer to not have the grid system. If I don't care, then like, you know, I don't, I, I, I'll, I'll live. <laughs> I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, I guess let's put it this way: if there's a game you really like and the game has a system for both, which one? Uh, probably depends on the rules of the game because like D&D technically does I would prefer a grid system in that case but like if we're not talking yeah so this has a has a range of uh, 60 feet and it's a 30 foot blast radius and this like I, I don't care then but if it's the D&D system where it's like yeah you know you have this this and this and I'm gonna be like hey buddy can I just well, I mean, I'm uh, uh, the 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 premise I'm saying is assuming that the game built up both systems kind of equally because D and D sort of tacked on the the theater of the mind rules a little bit later yeah. down the road. Uh, probably theater of the mind. Isaiah, Matt, where do you, where do you fall? Uh, I mean, I also sort of sit on the fence, but I would probably say theater of the mind. Oh, really? Okay, I'm surprised. I thought you were gonna say. No, I, don't get me wrong. I like grid based combat. I have no problems with it. Um, but. It, uh, I don't know, because, like, when I do it, like, I, I have a habit of, of big-braining plans, and if I don't have a grid, it's harder for me to do that. It's harder for me to, to sort of make... Well, uh, gridless uh, like, doesn't mean mapless. I think that's an important distinction. You can doesn't, go- but, like, so you, you lose out on things like positioning without a grid. Like you can have uh, a map, well, but you so lose not, a level of like concrete positioning. So here's the thing, though. You, not necessarily, because a lot of the time what ends up happening, I mean, we literally when we played Star Wars, this was a case like you don't have uh, the grid for positioning, but often, you know, it'd be like, all right, can you like throw down a map and show us where we're at? Yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone's here, here and here. You know, like you could do positioning in that sense. You could. It, it's very basic. That's why I said you lose a level of like assuredness. 
You can literally say, okay, I'm going to put this character here because literally nothing can get past them. I can put these two characters behind them and start slinging things and, and providing cover. I can have this character go around the side of this. I enjoy that level of, uh, of strategic thinking. I mean, so um, maybe I like grid base more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I will say this. I definitely uh, I'll say for sure. If I'm GMing 100% gridless, <laughs> I prefer. If I'm a player, I'm more inclined to be okay with the grid, but that's because when you're GMing on, you have more bullshit to deal with. Oh. You like, do, yeah. Surprise, surprise. <sighs> but even then, when I'm GMing, um, I don't like, uh, I don't like when I feel like combat is just a okay. Then you do this, and then you do this. There's a level of like, if I'm if I'm having things attack my players. I will often put my enemies in formations so the players go, oh shit, they're actually thinking strategically, which makes them think strategically, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, again, you 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 lose a level of that with gridless or purely theater of the mind combat. I've done some cool stuff. I've played in one where like we were, we were camping around a massive oak tree and my character uh, uh, was, I can't remember what it's called, uh, so suspended camping when you like sleep in the tree. So I could rain down health from people with my musket up in the tree uh, and provide cover. And that was cool, but it always felt like I wish I could literally see how things are playing out. And I didn't have to I didn't have to constantly ask the GM, OK, who's where, what's where, who's being attacked by what? Um, I could just see it. And well, go, OK, part I, of I that, understand what's going on. I mean, part of that is is having practice with doing a, a theater of the mind system because you get better at being clear about that more often I'm not saying yeah you, you, I'm I don't sure know you I, do. I feel like you're being a little on the little too binary about it like one is capable of this and one is not capable of this well it, it's one has a map that you can that it one has as very strict uh uh parameters that it follows the other one's a little more loose so you're going to have uh, a, a more detailed understanding of a map if you can see the map and you have a guaranteed understanding of what a distance is yes but if a game is designed with the intention of not using a system it's usually designed in such a fashion that you don't need to worry about those specifics as much know like they are not part of like if nothing is described in specific foot increments then you don't need to worry about measuring specific foot increments you know what i mean if it's just measured in like near far farther no i don't but i like it that's that's the thing like i enjoy doing that i find that fun at where do you fall um grid because i can always make the grid more cinematic just through my descriptions or you know getting a nice bright colorful map and the players can you know be like hey is that coin actually on the table uh yeah sure why not all right cool <laughs> i grab the coin and i flick it at the guy's eyeball and I'm like oh, again sure, yeah sure why not <laughs> again though gridless doesn't mean mapless i i feel like you guys are assuming no map like it, you can still have a map you're no, just I'm not mean, you're just not yeah, moving I mean, everything just, in specific five foot increments or whatever yeah, x I mean, increments I I guess it, I don't know. I don't feel like the five foot increments are that bad. Like I'm not I saying I, I'm not I saying don't bad. Think about it that way. But what I'm saying is like you can do a system that's not a grid based system and have like zones, for example, is a really in between yeah. where it's like 
you players you're in zone one bad guys are in zone two zone three is the area beyond them you know mm. like it, it, again that's what i'm saying like gridless is, is not mapless you can no, still uh, have a lot of that well so how, how about this for an analogy uh, a gridless system plays and, and just let me follow this to the end a gridless system plays kind of like Mega Man Battle Network. There is a level of strategic positioning that you can do and that is useful and like on some level you need. But a game like Fire Emblem, you have far more minute control of what's going on. I prefer the Fire Emblem approach. I haven't played either of those games, so I can't really refute. Yeah, I, I or, have, or back up I, that statement. No, 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 no. That that that's that's a that's a fairly decent way of saying it. Oh, I no, do think, okay. however, <laughs> Sam uh, says that makes sense, so I'll have to trust him. I, 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 I do does, think I that Mega Man Battle Network is <laughs> is a little like like it's it's close. Um, I think it's just hard to put that into a video game format because inherently video games are binary, binary with like a grid system. Um. I, 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 yeah, I would say it's, oh God, I, I can't, I can't give a video game analogy for that, but yes, like there's, there's less control over where your character is. People were actually, it'd be better to say it's like a character action game, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but turn-based, which, you know, it doesn't help, but what are you going to do? I could, I could started this because now my ideas are flowing in my head we'll cut it off here we'll cut we'll cut it off here mm. i'll have to we'll maybe have to read this particular this particular topic that has come up now um no promises but you know maybe all right anyway this has been us we have done the thing i forgot to do this in the beginning but uh please follow us on Nine. twitter Hit follow or subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and maybe leave a comment if you want to tell us why we're stinky poo-poo heads or we're bad or whatever. It all helps the algorithm. I don't care what you say to me. Okay. Yeah, I'm just being